This episode is sponsored by Paleo Valley. Paleo Valley's meat sticks have been a lifesaver during this hot summer. Since they're shelf stable, I always have three Paleo Valley meat sticks in my bag at all times. It's also been perfect for my boys' lunch boxes. I love Paleo Valley's grass finished beef sticks and pasture raised turkey sticks because they support US family farmers that focus on regenerative agriculture. These meat sticks are from animals that have never been fed grains, soy, corn, or GMOs and have never been given antibiotics. The spices in these meat sticks are also 100% organic. The sticks come in five different flavors, and my favorite is the original beef stick, and my boys love the teriyaki beef sticks and the original pasture raised turkey stick. Paleo Valley's meat sticks are a perfect snack and, frankly, a great value without skimping on quality. Each stick is about $2 with our discount code, and it comes in a 10 pack bag. Make sure to support this podcast and head over to paleovalley.comslash CATG and use code CATG to get 15% off your first order. Thanks for listening and supporting the Cutting Against the Grain podcast. Laura and I are just going to be talking really candid. This is what this podcast is all about. It's one thing to say, I want to eat something else that's not meat. It's a whole other thing to say, you need to eat something else that's not meat. If you notice that you're jumping from diet to diet, at a certain point, you have to wonder the only common denominator is me. Get outside, go for a walk, yeah. get some vitamin D, breathe yeah. some fresh air, and stay happy and healthy and, and take care of yourselves. Let's just have some real talk. <laughs> Welcome to the Cutting Against the Grain podcast. Welcome back to the Cutting Against the Grain podcast. My name is Laura Spath, and I'm joined by my friend and co host, Judy Cho. And Judy, a uh, long time no see. I just <laughs> hugged you goodbye like a few hours ago and then came home, and we're doing a KetoCon recap. So I was in Austin uh, at KetoCon. So, hi, how's it going? How, have you ever, did you get a good night's sleep last night? <laughs> Definitely better than the last few days. How about you? I was wondering, your flight was pretty late. Did you even get any rest? Yeah, I got in, uh, I think I got home at like midnight, so it was worth it. I was glad, I, I could have waited till Monday to, to fly home, but I just wanted to get home and um, right. we're, Chris and I are leaving, like by the time that people hear this episode, Chris and I will be back in Vegas, so we're doing our first like vacation together ever, and uh, so I wanted to get home to make sure I had like time here and then could do a quick turnaround before we leave again tomorrow, but um yeah, overall, like I'm just, even with that and like as crazy as my schedule is right now, I'm so glad I went to KetoCon. Obviously, it has been three years since they did one previously. And, you know, you and I have done other smaller conferences together, but there's just kind of nothing like KetoCon itself when it's so right. big and with the expo and all the companies and speakers. So um, this, this was my first one. I was really fun to experience it. What did you, what was your favorite thing or person or what was like a really memorable thing for you? I mean, it's not, honestly, I just was excited to go hang out with my friends <laughs> yeah. or, I mean, part, that was a huge part of it. People that I have met through the community who there were so many people that I met in real life for the first time. Like we, I've been talking to them. I've been following them. I've known them online forever or like, especially like all of these amazing women that are in my locals community. And then just being able to finally meet people in person face to face was, uh, was so fun. 
What about you? Once your speech was done, first of all, that was also incredible. And you did such a good job with that. But I know um, it's always kind of once that's over, you're able to relax a little more and have fun. So what was your favorite part of the weekend? I thought the panels were pretty fun. But like you said, I mean, meeting people in person, I feel like I have a good radar of people and their character in person. And it's a little bit harder to do that over a screen or over messaging. I mean, you can definitely connect and there's emotions, but there's something so different when when you meet somebody in person and hang out with them even for five minutes, 10 minutes. And I like meeting people in person for that reason. You just, the relationship and everything is just so much more real and you just feel genuinely more connected. And so I always liked KetoCon for that reason. And then the panels, I think it was so fun to have the carnivore panel. I was part of the entrepreneurial panel. I didn't realize that I'd be the only female representing. I think there was one lady that was supposed to be there from a cauliflower brand and she didn't end up showing, but I was the only service provider there. And that was cool. I could, you know, answer that and just meet different people that are business oriented or entrepreneurs. It was just fun to meet the people behind these brands as well as, um, as I'm growing the nutrition with Judy brand, it's just interesting and seeing, Oh, I know fat bomb, but Oh, wow. There's an actual person behind it and hearing his story in person and his struggles during COVID. I really appreciated all of that. So, um, I, I really like that part additionally to everything else we talked about. Yeah, that that was the session I had to get up and be there. We both had to get up and be there so early for it started. Well, I thought it started at 630, but I think that was like the doors opened at 630. It started at seven. So it was definitely worth going to. I got a lot of out of that, even as somebody who isn't an entrepreneur and doesn't have anything that I'm growing. I got a lot of good tips just kind of about business and that mindset and what it takes to kind of like be successful and how to pivot when you're struggling. Like those were all really good things that I took away um, from that session. But I agree. I, I hope next year, um, they would have a little more balance of like products versus services. Cause a lot of the people were asking questions that really, um, you know, in the audience that only you could answer, which was nice. Um, so that it's great that, that your perspective was there to be able to share it. Um, in general, I think it was really awesome in the expo. There was so many carnivore brands, represented. I spent a lot of time at the bacon booth. (laughs) There was, um, what Peterson farms had bacon there that they were giving out bacon samples constantly. So the whole room like smells like bacon and then Piedmontese, um, steaks were there. So they were giving out like steak samples constantly. I made good friends with those guys (laughs) and carnivore snacks. Obviously, you know, as you know, I'm a huge, huge fan of carnivore snacks and, um, I kind of, every time I walked through, I like made my rounds getting those samples as well. So that was, there was, I mean, there was plenty more, lots of beef sticks, lots of jerkies, biltongs. Um, I was really, I think KetoCon in the past has been tons of keto treats and tons of desserts and tons of sweet stuff. And while that stuff was represented, I would say it was equal between meat vendors and meat samples and keto samples and keto treats. And then there was like another, the other third wing of that was maybe like, services. And then like a fourth thing was electrolytes. So it was kind of a really good balance of different types of electrolytes, services, meat brands, and then desserts. And it wasn't just like all samples of sweet stuff. So I really, I got a ton out of just like the products and stuff. Yeah. I didn't get to go around the products so much. I really tried to go around, but I, I missed a lot of it um, by the time I was able to, but you're right. When I went three years ago and then the year prior to that, it was just a bunch of keto treats and 
it was notorious that if you tried all the samples by the end of the weekend, your stomach would just be hurting from all the erythritol and the other, um, the almond flour. (laughs) Right. Right. But, but this year I was really surprised that there were so many meat products, as you mentioned, and then, and then there were a lot of services, right? So you could test things. Um, I think there was a, some vendor was testing their minerals. Um, there was the hair mineral place. Was oh, there, there was too, a place but... that was doing A1C tests as well. So I got my A1C tested. I think they're going to, oh, like you? they okay. email you your, I haven't got the results back yet. I mean, I, I was more just curious uh, about doing it there, but yeah, I'm going to get, I got my A1C tested that they're going to send away. Oh, that's so awesome. Was it Dr. Boz that was doing that? Yeah. Oh, okay. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. I love Dr. Boz. Yeah. So that was really cool. And it, it, it felt very meat heavy, which I agreed with you. And then there was also brands that were selling like the cheese crisps type of meats or cheeses as well. So that I thought that was really cool because when I went, it was literally, I forgot that one brand's name, but they sold, they have the like sample sausages and that's it. There was no other meat company there before. And now it's what a world of a difference. And then that, I mean, we, again, even have a carnivore panel and there were a lot of carnivores on the main stage as well as the breakout rooms. And I thought that was really, really cool. I also think it shows you like where the direction of the keto community is going to be more meat focused, to be more meat heavy. Like I think a lot of people who are doing keto as a lifestyle realize that they have to stay away from those sweets and treats um, as a regular thing. And as a daily thing, they have them occasionally if people are keto, but I think people are more picky and in this keto community and people who are doing this as a long-term lifestyle are a lot more picky about the products that they support. And I think that was really represented there where, you know, you can't really get away with like having something that's complete junk and slapping a keto label on it anymore. Um, or maybe it just shows to like the people who run it like Robin and, and they're curating more what brands they allowed to come in because I do sure. think it was, um, you know, a nice, a nice balance of it. So I appreciated it. I think one of my favorite parts too was the VIP dinner that we had on Friday night, which was awesome. So people who bought VIP tickets got to go and then all of the speakers got to go and bring a guest and uh, certified Piedmontese beef was um, provided the meat for the VIP dinner, which was amazing. So they had these like giant prime rib racks. Um, and then they had a salad, which, you know, all the keto people could eat salad, uh, and they had some grilled vegetables, but then they had as another side, these giant bowls that were literally just giant bowls of bacon where in a normal situation, you'd see these giant salad bowls, you know, for instance, but it was literally just full of bacon. So I had some cheese, I had this, you know, a bunch of bacon, and then I had like a ton of really, um, amazing prime rib. So that was like such a fun meal. And especially like as a carnivore, I got to go to this event and then feel full and have like a ton of stuff I could eat. It was awesome. Yeah. You know, I didn't even think about that. I just, I think I'm so carnivore that I always just look for the meat and never think twice about it. But you're absolutely right. There was a whole thing of bacon. There was a whole thing of cheese. And I never once thought, oh, this is very carnivore friendly. I just, it's, this is my normal life. Well, like. Yeah. Yeah, A lot of times, even if they're going to have like catered meals that are low carb or keto, maybe it's like keto pasta or it's like something with like a red sauce or even just like there's something in it that like I personally would rather not have. And so the fact that they had like multiple plain meat options was really, uh, I was really excited about that. Yeah. And the 
the meat was a little on the rear side and that's not even how I like it, but it was so good. So I was, it yeah. Was- and I mean, I would say typically like major meat eaters like us, <laughs> um, most of them like things a little more on the rear side, which was uh, yes. nice. Yeah, it was, it was perfect. Yeah. And then it was just nice to be in a more, I guess, smaller area just to have some good community and chat. And it's just awesome that every single person in that room, we believe in a lot of the same diet belief systems that we don't believe in the standard American diet. And we don't have to justify why we're eating just meat. No one's looking at my plate thinking, well, that's weird. Instead, everyone's asking, how's the meat? Isn't it amazing? Isn't it delicious? Yeah. Yeah. I really did enjoy some of the talks too. I ended up going to uh, quite a few of them over the course of three days. And it's different. Like I know when we did the low carb conference before we like broke down every single talk and all of the science and all the information. KetoCon is a lot different where there's some really great information um, that's being shared, but it's also more just community motivation. Um, it's not going to be quite this. There's no medical uh, or like CNA credits that are given for this conference. And so it's a different type of, uh, of speech from, from a lot of people, but I, was able to come away with a lot of takeaways um, and just some good motivation from people um, from all the speeches. Like yours was, I think you did a great job talking about for, obviously, if you guys don't know, Judy's speech was on finding your perfect diet. And I think it's just this important message that uh, she shared of like figuring out what works for you. And then Robert Sykes did a message on the philosophy of strict keto, which I know that we talk on here about, yes, you have to find what works for you, but also within the frameworks of like what you can handle. And the fact that to me, that's the perfect balance of, I know I have to be carnivore. I'm going to be stick to carnivore. I'm going to be strict carnivore. That's my philosophy is I'm not going to deviate from carnivore. And that's a lot of what Robert, um, the keto savage talked about. I really loved that speech and his mindset around like being strict keto all the time for him means he's never going to cheat and have a big bowl of ice cream and he's never going to have mashed potatoes and French fries, but he has to, he has different variations of how he lives his life in carnivore or I mean in keto, but depending on what his goals are at the moment. So whether he's in a surplus or, or cutting for competitions and that kind of thing. But for him, even his refeeds, even his, you know, when he's in a surplus, all of that is still going to be strict keto because he knows from a mental perspective, like that's what he has to stick to. And so, you know, it's that framework that you talked a lot about uh, in your talk of finding what works for you so that you have the ability to be consistent. And then once you're there, it's, it's having those non-negotiables and it's having that, um, idea where I know I have to stay in this carnivore framework, but I have the flexibility to like eat some ranch or, you know, have a couple little things. But the idea of just sitting down and having like a giant piece of cake is a non-negotiable. Right. One thing that is good about KetoCon is that because they're not mandated by the CEOs, CEUs or the CMS credits or any of those board governing boards of what all needs to be included in the, in the presentation, you get a lot more variety of the different types. So there's obviously like Dr. Boz, um, Dr. Pels, they shared a lot about a lot of the strict science. And then there's more motivational, like my talk was a lot more motivational. And Robert, it sounds like it was a little bit of a blend, but it's all over the map, right? And that's the beauty of you get so many different options of conversations you can listen to. There's the main stage, there's three different breakout rooms, there's Q&As, there's book signings. So there's so much to do. And every single person I talked to, even if they weren't speaking, it's so 
it's so exciting. It's amazing all that you learn and experience and network, but then also it can be exhausting because there's so much that you can do and the time just starts flying by. Yeah. Another talk I really enjoyed was Brian Sanders talked about the agenda against red meat Mm -hmm. um, and just kind of like what that is the processing plants and the political from a political standpoint and the kind of like what's happening in the beef industry and the meat industry really like why is red meat demonized and how did we get here? So he kind of went through the history of where the idea of meat was like back in the fifties and kind of how we got to this point. And then as a really awesome treat, um, he played, so I know if you don't know, he's making, um, what originally started as a movie called food lies. And apparently like back in 2019, he thought he was done with it and he keeps rewriting it. He keeps expanding it. Um, I feel my family has filmed with him twice now, like many years apart, we filmed with him in 2021. And then I had originally filmed with him in 2019. At that time, he had told me I was the last person to film before the movie came out. Um, but he's rewritten it so many times since then, but I got to see, or he played for everybody that was there, like a three and a half minute clip of the, or like an intro to the movie, like what would be considered, um, almost the trailer or the opening to the movie, it was such high quality. Like I was completely blown away. It's no longer going to be just a movie anymore. It's going to be a six part series that he's going to try to get put on Netflix. And like watching that opening intro, a hundred percent, it looks like it should be on Netflix. Like it's such a high quality of film that you can tell, like, why has it taken him this long? What's been going on? And you know, our friend Barbara was with us a lot and she saw that clip and was like, oh, I, this, this, this is the kind of movie that I'm going to show my dad that's going to change his life. Like this is the type of movie that people who are non-carnivores and non-keto or non, you know, people currently eating the standard American diet, they're going to be able to watch this series and be open to it because it's such a, it's such an approachable way of sharing this information. It's just, it got me so fired up to see it when the final product comes out. Yeah, it's really exciting. I mean, Brian really wants to hit the masses. And so even when I interviewed him on my channel, it was, he talks to the person literally walking down the street and just asks random questions about meat and cholesterol and heart disease. And I can see why he just wants to make it picture perfect. And especially with the pandemic happening and then the demonization of meat even becoming more and more in the last several years, I can see why he probably wants to add more things. I love that in his talk, there are some things where some people can argue can be conspiracy theory like, like that pyramid yeah. he shared, for example. But I love that no one was like, this is a conspiracy theory, right? It seemed that most people were on the same page, supportive, and and it felt just like, oh, I'm with a pool of people or a community of people that that get it and that understand that there really is an attack on me. And then here are all the other conversations we had of, what to do about it. But it was just nice to know that we're in a safe place and that our thoughts about, no, the rising cost of meat, maybe some of it is intentional. Um, There's a push for processed foods because it just makes more money. They don't care that we're getting sick. And that a lot of that thinking is not a conspiracy theory, but that we actually all see it. And we understand that we need to take care of our own because no one else, big pharma, big food is not going to be taking care of us. And that was very refreshing to see. 
Yeah. And profit is driving the industry. It's, it's, it also doesn't have to be this like diabolical thing where they're trying to like kill everybody, but it also, it really truly just comes down to profit. And when you, you know, the example Brian gave of when you take a whole chicken and sell it, there's a very small margin of profit as selling a whole chicken. Right. Um, but when you take a chicken and you add very cheap ingredients like oil, and sugar and flour, then you can sell that chicken as chicken nuggets. And there's a much larger profit margin in it because you've mixed in a bunch of cheaper ingredients. And so those types of things that are really driving the, the processed food industry, um, where you can get into wondering, like, is it completely intentional to them, like control everybody or not? But it, it really, truly, like, you cannot argue about the fact that it really does come down to profit. Um, and that's, when you process things with cheaper ingredients, they're going to, it's going to give a lot more profit behind it. Right. Right. And that all the food industries are really just a few companies and they're all connected and they're all in the same, you know, they're all buddies with the pharma companies and some of them are the same CEOs. And so all of that is just factual. And I love that. I love that it was just very well put together as a understanding of why there is a demonization of meat, even though we know in the carnivore community and the ketogenic community that meat really does a lot of healing. Yeah. Awesome. Um, we finished yesterday kind of like the whole weekend with the carnivore panel. I guess that was like the middle of the day yesterday, but for us personally, it was the, the end of our, um, the stuff that we did. So the carnivore panel was myself, uh, you, Dr. Sean Baker, Dr. Anthony Chafee, and then Ed A, the Black Carnivore, who on Instagram and YouTube. So it was like, oh, and Kevin Stock was the MC, um, who is a dentist. And so it was like the three doctor men and then the three women um, who were on there, which I love. And we, so if you're not sh- aware of how the structure sets up, so we would just, we really just walked out. We each did like a one minute little introduction, just saying who we were. And then it really was about audience questions. Right. Um, and so I appreciated that. And so there's a lot of people in there who are carnivore curious or some people who are more carnivore. So we got some basic questions and then also some more advanced stuff, but we had an hour. Um, and when there's so many people on the panel and so many people who like to talk, you really don't get through a lot of questions as, uh, as many questions as you think in an hour. I don't even remember that we're not going to go through all of them. Cause I don't remember off the top of my head, but it was nice to hear one of the first people asked about organ meats and pretty quickly all six of us came to the consensus of like, you don't need organ meats. Right. And that was really nice to hear. I think there's not too many people in the actual carnivore community that are like pushing, pushing, pushing organs anymore. The people who are pushing the organs are the ones who have like, don't really consider themselves carnivore anymore because they get most of their energy from fruit now. And, um, <laughs> they themselves don't call themselves carnivore anymore. Yeah. It's the people that have a lot of the financial ties or their affiliates for some of these companies that sell these organ supplements. So those are the only Oh wait, people. So that goes back to profit too, for them. Oh yeah. If you notice so true. nobody that has, that doesn't have an organ supplement company uh, <laughs> is pushing organs, but it, that was really nice to hear. And I think the audience, you could like hear this like sigh of relief yes. that like, I don't have to force myself to eat organs or buy expensive supplements. One of the other questions that we got that I don't think we all agreed upon, and I mean, it wasn't contentious at all, but I, I know Barbara, one her, of her feedbacks to us was that it was just helpful to see different opinions. And we were all, you know, very friendly with one another. And we were able to just share our opinions on the same stage. And people can kind of learn and glean information from what we're all saying. 
But one of the questions in, in real time, that was what it is, yes. is that like somebody could share something and then instantly I have a different opinion. And rather than having to like go watch a whole bunch of videos to hear what everybody's opinion is on a topic, you heard a topic and then heard like six different opinions really all at the same time. And so that was, I do think there's something important about this and it would be nice to do this type of thing more often. Yeah. I think it gets hard where if we're talking about the profit stuff, there's been several many people I'd say actually that have asked me to have like Dr. Paul Saladino on my channel or somebody that's super pro the repeat diet but especially when they're financially incentivized they don't want to talk about it because if for any part that they may agree with me well then it might hurt their business so there it's it just gets a little tricky but yes I, I agree I think in a perfect world we would have multiple discussions like this but one of the questions was this person was keto for a while. And then I think the last month had just turned carnivore and she noticed that she's never hungry. And she was saying that when she would track, she would only be eating about 800 calories, but really she never was hungry. And so she was saying, do I just trust my body? And some days I don't even need to eat for three days. So should I just trust my body or should I actually calorie count? Because when I actually tried, I'm only eating 800 calories. Uh, Dr. Chafee initially went and, and we talked about this on his podcast too, when he had me on, but he first said, our bodies have its own wisdom and you should trust it. And I believe that I believe that our bodies have its own wisdom, but he said, so I think at one point he even said, if our food is very nutrient dense, maybe you don't need to consume a lot of calories. And so maybe it's okay. And that yeah, you should just trust your body. So I think for him, he was saying, don't count the calories. If you're eating 800 or less, maybe it's okay, but trust your body's inner wisdom, right? Uh, but I think Laura and I didn't agree with that. So Laura, maybe if you want yeah. to share. Well, I'd kind of, he said too, like, let your taste be your guide. And like, if it yes. meat doesn't oh, yeah, sound yeah, good, right. like don't eat it, that type of thing. And so I, I kind of jumped in and said, like, when we let our body be our guide, like my body's broken, that indicator in me, like, I agree with you. Ideally, that's what we would do. And I think we want to get to that place. But for me, that part of my body is broken. I could eat all day long. There's like this whole eat when you're hungry, stop when you're full doesn't work for me. It's that, that function in me is broken where I can eat all day long and not need to be hungry. And then also this idea of like, stop, you know, this stop when you're full or again, like that woman, if I tried to like actually listen to my hunger cues, my brain's going to tell me I'm hungry all the time, but my stomach is never actually going to growl and get really, really hungry for right. days on end. And so I would either, if I tried to only listen to my stomach, I would be under eating. And if I'm trying to only listen to my brain, I would constantly be overeating and it's this really hard balance of me needing to just make sure I'm eating enough calories. It's one of the reasons why I started having hormone issues. It's one of the reasons why I was kind of got to a point where my weight was stalled because I was, I couldn't eat enough in one sitting anymore. I was eating one meal a day and I was eating around 800 to a thousand calories and I wasn't hungry for dinner. So I just stopped eating dinner. Well then over time, I think we often talk on this podcast that one of the number one problems for women, and I said this in the, in the panel, one of the number one problems for women is that they're under eating right. and under eating for over a period of time is going to cause you way more problems. Um, as far as your hormones, your hair, it's going to stall your weight. It's just going to cause so many issues. And so while I agree day to day, we want to try to listen to our body. I think a huge portion of women, especially could eat 
around 800 to 1,000 calories for lunch and not be hungry again for dinner. And if they're doing that day after day, it's going to cause a lot of problems. So it was nice to have the the ability to like instantly share a different, and I'm not even saying argue with him because it wasn't that it at all. It was just, yeah. yeah, yeah. It was to just instantly share a different perspective from somebody who experiences that a little differently. And I would love to get to the point where I can do that, but I do have to track occasionally. And I, sh- I had shared this. I do have to track occasionally just to make sure I'm eating enough um, and then finding other ways to like get a higher amount of calories in. Right. And then what I said right after, which I've said probably many times on this podcast at this point, is that when we become ketogenic or carnivore and we no longer have the hanger cues from carbohydrates and we no longer are obsessing about our last next meal, our next snack, our next dinner, breakfast, lunch, we notice we're not hungry for the first time in our lives. And we're like, wow, this diet just makes me have so much energy and I'm not eating. And then we start justifying, well, I was told that I don't need to eat unless I'm hungry and I'm not hungry. So therefore I'm not going to eat. So at first the diet seems like it's amazing because people can fast so easily. They can maybe even skip a day of eating. Like that lady said, she didn't eat for three days, but what ends up happening, which that's when people start working with me is three months in, well, now I can't sleep through the night. Now I'm having my hair fall out. Now I'm having hormonal issues. My period has stopped, et cetera. And now instead it's the diet wrecked my life. And it's really, are you sure it wasn't just that you were under eating because you didn't feel hungry. And, and so when I work with my clients, we go through what they eat in a day. Most people eat about a thousand or less every single day. And when I tell them to up it, that's as they start healing. And that's why I recommend it on the panel of, I think you should track for about one week to get an idea of the variety of meats and seeing how much you really need to eat to be sufficient on this way of eating. I mean, it's a brand new diet. How do you know how much you're supposed to eat? And so then have that amount, have that kind of idea. And then as you're healing or um, improving in this way, and you know, for sure you're full, maybe you could decrease that amount then occasionally, or maybe you'll need more. And then you could just kind of have some wiggle room, but at least you have a baseline of, I think I need to eat this much. I haven't eaten that. And then most people that are carnivore, they may never feel hungry, but as soon as they put food by their mouth, they can eat. And that's the indication where maybe our hunger cues are now different and we need to relearn what it means to be hungry and what it means to actually feed the body. And that part is, it's these kind of quick wordings of eat when you're hungry, stop when you're full. Yes, that's ideally true. Trust your body's wisdom. Yes, that's true. But there's context, especially in the beginning. I think the last thing is, I think for males, I don't think they have as much of this issue. And I think Dr. Chafee said that. He said, yes, women are a little bit more complex with their hormones. And we, I think one of the things too, is that you're, when you're under eating for so long, your body's natural appetite is going to lower because your body's trying to save all of that stuff. And so like you, if you've been under eating for a long period of time, like your appetite is going to naturally decrease because you've been giving it such less food and your body's almost like, you know, slowing your metabolism down over time. And so you have to make sure that you're increasing that. Um, sometimes you have to like eat more to be hungrier and you have to like, make sure you're getting in like a good amount of calories. Um, I also did appreciate then Dr. Baker at the end said like, yeah, sometimes I eat like he eats two meals a day and he's like, I could just eat a lot in the morning and then not be hungry again until like seven or eight at night. 
And he's like, I, re- I have to sometimes like eat, even though I'm not actually physically hungry because I know I didn't get enough fuel. And he's like, I'm a big guy. I got to eat a lot. It takes a right. lot of food to sustain this muscle mass. He said it like in a much more like uh, uh, kind of way, but you know, he has to eat a lot to keep all of his muscles and he's huge. And he realizes that like, he may not be having like this, like stomach growling moment, but he knows that his body is going to need more fuel in order to like stop losing its own muscle and in order to fuel itself properly. And so he's not sitting around waiting for this like stomach growling ravenous hunger before he's eating. Um, he knows that he needs to fuel his body anyway. And so I did appreciate kind of that perspective as well. Um, and I think it's, it just was nice to hear a lot of different sides of, of the coin during that. Yes. And I, I spoke with Dr. Gabrielle Lyon, which I didn't know she was very for lean protein. I just knew she was very for protein. But even when I spoke with her, she, she was talking about how to really fine tune your physique, that she's a fan of the lean protein and then adding carbs, which I know a lot of us can't do that, but in order to perfect the physique. But if we're looking for healing, and that's what I asked her after is, well, what if people have under ate their whole lives or they have hormonal issues? And that's when she said, yeah, there are phases in people's lives. And for those people, maybe they do need the higher fat or um, to eat a different way or not to eat the carbs if they can't tolerate the carbs. But everyone's recommendations will be based on what has genuinely worked for them. Because I asked Dr. Lyon, why she's not the biggest fan of fat. And she said for her, it made her gain weight. And then she didn't like that, right? But some people need that healing. And so it's just, I really think a lot of these advocates, while they work with people, kind of, and they are in the community, a lot of people will be biased based on what works for them. And I guess maybe in a sense, you and I are too. But I try to be open and flexible because it doesn't always work for every single person. Like I know that high fat doesn't work for every single person. I personally think it's because they need more gut healing and maybe that's my biases. <laughs> right. But it, it's just, it was just interesting to hear everyone's opinions on things, but it's a lot of it is because at the end of the day, when you really get through all the noise and all the science, it's because that is what worked for them. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I'm definitely that way, which is why I know I don't work with people on a regular basis. And I think in some ways too, you work with the extreme, very sick people. And very so true. you are dealing with people who need a lot more healing versus people who are just like trying to lose weight. Like my perspective is just somebody who's trying to lose weight. Um, and then yours is like people who are very sick and have a lot of core healing to do. So yeah. we all are coming at this from our own, you know, personal like you said, our personal bias. And that's why, that's why this type of panel structure set up is just so important. Yes. Uh, and I think that's really good. So another question that was asked was about like, it was good. Other good questions were like budget, um, grass finished, which we all kind of agreed. Like you don't have to eat grass finished. I think that probably most of the people on the panel thought grass finished is best. Yes, but it's not going to hurt you to eat grain finished. I'm probably the outlier and I didn't, it wasn't worth nitpicking about, but like, I don't think grass finished is best. Um, I think grain finished is equal. Um, but at least nobody up there was also saying you have to eat grass finished. And so I appreciated that message as well. There was no one that said you need to eat grass finished. I I think most people were saying they eat a mix. I just argued for the in terms of the regenerative agriculture part of it. And just, yeah. and Dr. Baker talks about that tremendously. Like that's, right. you know, you and him both were, were um, big on that. Yeah. When we talked about budget, I really appreciated um, 
what we obviously talked about like meats and buying things on sale and buying, like you'd mentioned your, your um, whole pig that you bought, but then Ed a mentioned like how many less over the counter prescriptions are you taking? Right. How much money are you saving on not having, or like just over the counter medications and your prescriptions and doctor's visits and all of the specialty procedures, like all of those things are huge savings. And so you know, many times I mentioned in the panel, but like many times we're comparing steak to spaghetti and thinking like how much more expensive this is going to be. But when we look at the big picture of our health, first of all, we look at the big picture of our groceries for the week. It's a huge savings for my family in particular. We're right. saving tons of money by just not eating fast food, gas station food, snacks, ice cream, like all of those things I talk about on here all the time. You know, I appreciated Ed's comments about not having medications, um, not having prescriptions anymore. And then also I think, you know, Dr. Baker mentioned like, think of that, or maybe it was even you. I don't remember. You guys look so similar. I'm mixed uh, I know. <laughs> um, somebody else mentioned the investment into your health. Like at another point, like you just have to invest in your health. And so if all of those things that I just mentioned still aren't saving you money, which I personally believe that they are, when you really look at like your month over month grocery and, right. you know, um, medication budget. If you still don't think that, then maybe it's again, worth cutting out some other things in your diet or in your lifestyle to be able to afford to live a healthier life. And so, um, and making your health a priority over making, getting your nails done a priority or, you know, um, whatever else it is, that's like something that you feel like you can't afford the meat because you're spending some other money on. But I personally think that there's a way to do it in an extremely affordable way. And I think we don't need to like recap that because I think we talk about that enough. On I, I really like that Ed A brought up even allergy medications, right? So it's not even yes. going to the doctor. She And I, I never thought about that. I, I mean, I always think about the doctor visits and stuff, but she was saying how she took so many different types of allergy over-the-counter medications and how she doesn't take any of them. And I think she saves like $30 a week or a month or something. And it made so much sense. And we don't think about that. We, like you said, we only compare, well, this is so much more expensive than spaghetti, but I think it was Dr. Kevin Stock that brought up how actually, or maybe it wasn't him. Maybe it was Dr. Chafee that brought up that pound for pound spinach is a lot more expensive, but then it comes with all the anti-nutrients and such. So there is a way to make this way of eating super affordable. I think that's where you can shop the sales at the grocery stores. And then you can also partner if you have ranchers around you that you can partner with they really need the support financially if you could find some that you can support and you enjoy that kind of meat too um i would highly recommend looking through that too and just in case the war on meat really happens and there's like none that we can even get and we have to ration our meat amounts that is especially why it's important to know your ranchers so that you can quote unquote get the meat in the black market <laughs> <laughs> well, so I agree with that. First of all, I agree with wanting to support and spending your dollars supporting farmers. I totally agree with that. I su totally agree with all those things you mentioned, except for the fact that like people just think that buying in bulk from a farmer is cheaper and it is not. You say is way more expensive. You buy a cow for five forty nine a pound or whatever. Every it's it sounds like a great price. No, that's a really expensive ground beef. That's a really expensive um, truck I mean, roast. Yeah. So like it doesn't balance out well or like. It is, it is more expensive. And so it's nice if you can do that. It stocks your freezer, it prepares you, you're supporting your local farmer. I agree with all of those things are a positive. It is not the cheapest way to do it by any means. There are way, way more cheaper ways to do it. And so um, 
I think it's an important conversation to have, but if people think that's the way that they have to save money, absolutely. Buying ground beef and specific cuts and like piecing things together from different grocery stores and Costco and whatever um, is a lot cheaper. Granted, cost, beef from a Costco is very expensive. Yes. So you can't like if people are saying like, oh, I, I save a lot of money by buying beef at Costco. Like that's way that's like fancy beef for me. <laughs> Shopping at Costco for beef is like when I splurge or like Christmas or something. Um Things like pork and chicken are going to be cheaper there. But anyway, my point is piecing things together from several different places that are the cheapest that you can find of each of these categories and places is going to be the cheapest way to do it. But I agree there's an element of like spend your dollar. Some people would rather spend their dollars with their local farmer, even though it's costing them more money. They know that they're supporting, you know, like you mentioned, Joe Farmer versus supporting Walmart. Yeah, I guess I, it, it depends on yeah. the cut. So you're absolutely right. If you like steak only and then you're forced to eat the ground beef, then yes, the ground beef is way more expensive. But f- let's talk about the pork part. I mean, a, some of the cuts for pork are so expensive. So then I get it for like the pork belly. No, depending no, no, no. on Okay, I guess depending on... I think pork belly, when we buy it at the Korean grocery store, it's almost, I think it's like $10.99 a pound. I, I, but you m- could buy pork loin and um, pork tenderloin for like $1.49 a pound, $1.99 a pound, that type of stuff at Costco. And so when you're buying a whole pig for whatever that $5.99 like a pound or something, around. yeah, then that's an insanely expensive pig, even like for all that stuff. I think it depends on the cut. And you're right. I mean, if there's a lot of ground beef in your part of the meat, then it's, it is absolutely more expensive. I guess it depends. But like, so you buy a whole cow or you buy a whole pig from the from the farmer and it evens out the price. If you went to the grocery store and bought all of those exact same cuts, like the exact equivalent amount of ground beef, the exact, even though the ribeyes are going to be more expensive, but you bought the same number of pounds of pork belly, pork tenderloin, like it would end up being way cheaper from the local grocery store if you bought all those same cuts to replicate. Again, it's important yeah, no, to know where you're that. spending your, this is about choosing where you invest your dollars. Right. But I'm just saying when we look at cut for cut and dollar for dollar, it just, people are so quick to say, buy a, buy a whole animal or buy a part of a whole animal and it's going to be cheaper. Like no chance. Yeah. In my opinion. No, no, you're, I know you're right. From I mean, what I'm seen, thinking yeah, about yeah. all the ground beef. Yeah, I, you're right. You're right. But, but I still, but I, I guess, yes, you're right. I, I focus on the higher cuts that are, so for right. example, we got oxtail and oxtail is very expensive to buy at the grocery store. Right. It doesn't matter. It, I, I don't remember how much it is, but I know when you buy the packaging, it's like $20, $30 and that's included in the $5.99 price. But you're right. We get a ton of ground beef and the ground right. beef. And you can buy ground beef at the grocery store when it's on sale for $1.99, maybe right now $2.99 a pound. Um, in different places. And so it really, again, it, it balance it's, I think it's important to care about where you're spending your money and know, you know, that that's also a value. It's, we, we talked a lot yesterday when we were talking about budget and money and all of those different things about like voting with your dollars and, um, supporting the meat industry in general. So that way we can continue to have this meat be available to us and that we're not, you know, we have access to it no matter what the government decides. Yeah, my hope is that people will buy more from these regenerative farmers and uh, again the meat that you like from them and 
as more consumers put money there, then it will get cheaper and the price will go down. I think that's the whole mission for wild pastures, right? It's to lower the price of these meats. And that would be a perfect world where the price will go down and it does become more affordable because my mom and dad are just like what you said, they shop the grocery sales and then they stock up on all their freezers. And then that's how they eat. They won't buy they probably wouldn't buy an animal just because they're very picky with the cuts they like, but right. you know, we're not as much. So. Yeah. And I think, but that's also what was nice about, I, can't, I keep going back to this, but like, if you wanted to hear my perspective on it versus your perspective, they're very different. You get both of those here on cutting against the grain. <laughs> if we wanted to add in like Dr. Baker, Dr. Chafee's Ed A's, like uh, Kevin stock, like if you wanted to hear all of these different opinions, you'd have to go watch all these different videos when sitting in a panel in something like this, you then can hear like everybody's uh, opinions, like kind of all at the same time, which was nice. I know the questions are going to come up like, is it going to be recorded? And I think it was recorded. However, it was for people who have paid for an online ticket. Right. And so I'm not sure about what they will, if they're going to put something up in the future. Um, it's kind of why we wanted to do a recap right now. Um, that's the most in-depth part of it. I don't think we're going to break down too many other speeches just because um, it was kind of a whirlwind at this point. And well, honestly, I didn't go to many because <laughs> I yeah. was just in, I, I was in two panels and the talk and I was in my head a lot for that. So once all of yeah. those were over, I could have, but then it was the end of the KetoCon event. But <laughs> the, I know that for previous years, they, the VIP, like you said, the people that buy the online will get access to the videos and eventually they'll release it, but it might be a year, year and a half later for YouTube. Yeah. But that's why we shared it with you. We gave you all the good bits. Okay. I'm trying to think. There was really no like drama. I don't know. I was surprised that nothing. I think it's because we didn't really get through many questions, but I was surprised there was none of the, um, don't we need carbs for hormone health, but don't we need carbs? What if we feel low energy? I was expecting a fruit question. We didn't get that. Yeah. We didn't get that. But I heard, uh, I think Baker got that on his um, own, his, his own talk, part of his Q and a, I think he got that question. Oh, I left. So they do like a 30 minute talk and then there's like a 10 minute Q and A at the end. I left his Q and A to go see your speech. So like <laughs> I didn't, um, uh, I couldn't see, um, that whole thing. I think they were back to back or something. Yeah. But, yeah, it was, it was, there was only a 10 minute gap and a lot of times the Q and A's were going over to the next. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. So I knew I left his like the last couple of questions. So I didn't hear that one, but, um, yeah, in general, I think it was, I mean, hopefully if you were there, I know I got to meet so many people there who, um, are listening right now, which was so fun. Uh, and we appreciated you. It was just fun to see people in person, hug people. Um, I did. Sa- oh, that was the other thing. Saturday night, like I went to dinner with all of my local supporters who happened to be there. So there was like almost 10 of us. That was really fun um, to be hanging out. Yeah, it was, it, was a a, time. it was a really good weekend and it's memorable. I feel that most people leave inspired and motivated to eat this way. And they know that this grassroots movement is ideal for us, for the community, as well as the environment. And what I, one of the funniest things, first of all, you and I were walking around and how many times that people could be like, Oh, you guys are just a package deal now. I know. (laughs) Thank you that we're always together, but also everybody is either like shorter or taller in person. Like (laughs) everybody is so shocked about how like tall Judy is in real life or how, um, obviously like everybody knows Sean Baker's tall, but that picture of him and Chafee and me that I had posted on Instagram, like they're, I'm five, eight, like I I am not short for a woman (laughs) and they are both so giant. So that was, uh, everybody's taller or shorter than you thought they were. It's funny because Kevin stock was telling me, 
I am tall. I am six foot, but I look so small next to Baker and Chafee. And I'm like, you're tall. It's okay. They're just abnormally huge. Right. It was, it was good. It was a good time. I, I appreciate everyone that came up and shared their love and support for us and cutting against yeah. the grain and nutrition with Judy. So we are very, very thankful. And, you know, we hope we can see you at another meetup if you weren't able to come. And I'm, I'm speaking again in October. Yeah. <laughs> well, I'll be there too. So Jude, that's a, that's oh, a yeah, low carb right. conference right. in Vegas in October. I think it's a one day thing too, right? So I think it's um, two. I think it's two. Okay, days. cool. Yeah. Cool. So I will, I'll be there as well. So if you're looking ahead, like when's the next thing, um, we'll be there for that one. Yeah. Thank you guys so much for your support. Hope you have a great week. Bye guys. Thanks for tuning in to the cutting against the grain podcast. If you enjoyed this episode, please make sure to share and leave us a review and leave any comments and questions on Apple Podcasts. We will read and answer your questions and comments on an upcoming podcast episode. This also helps us to share our real talk with more community members. You can also find me on my other podcast, Nutrition with Judy, on all podcast channels. You can also follow my content on Nutrition with Judy's Instagram, YouTube, Facebook, and Twitter. You can find Carnivore Cure in paperback, ebook, and audio on Amazon. I also have a blog post and weekly newsletter with nutrition and wellness updates. You can sign up at nutritionwithjudy.com. You can find Laura on Instagram at Laura East Bath. You can follow along on her daily stories and see some of her funny skits. You can also find Laura on her YouTube channel where she shares tips on living a meat-based lifestyle. If you're wondering how much meat to eat in a day, week, or month, Laura has you covered. She also shares how to make a perfect sear on a steak and how extended fasting looks like in real life. You can find her YouTube channel by searching Laura's Bath. Thanks again for listening to the Cutting Against the Grain podcast. And remember, make sure to cut against the grain. (laughs) 